freedom is never more than one generation away from extinction. We didn't pass it on to our children in the bloodstream. The only way they can inherit the freedom we have known is if we fight for it, protect it, defend it, and then hand it to them with the well-taught lessons of how they in their lifetime must do the same. And if you and I don't do this, then you and I may well spend our sunset years telling our children and our children's children what it once was like in America when men were free. everybody. Welcome to episode number 249 of Gun Freedom Radio, where we engage, we educate, and we inform. We are brought to you by azfirearms.com, your nationwide hometown gun shop. I am one of your hosts, Cheryl Todd. And I'm the other guy, Dan Todd. Our theme today is how private is your private information? Hmm. Our guest today is Beth Ballman. Beth is an associate editor for Town Hall, and her primary interests include the Second Amendment, illegal immigration, and free speech on college campuses. Beth recently wrote an article, article titled, Judge Orders Police to Hand Over Private Information About Gun Owners. And I want to know about that. Absolutely. Welcome to the show, Beth. Thank you so much for having me. Always a pleasure. Oh my gosh, you are such a busy writer. I Do you write like <laughs> 10 things a day? Um, it depends on the day of the week. <laughs> <laughs> so I'm take that as a yes. Um, and I do want to unpack this article that I'm, I'm holding up in front of me. It was in Town Hall, August 26th. Um, and what this, what ended up happening with this and how does this even come into being? So the New York Daily News went and filed a Freedom of Information Act request wanting to know about um, CCW holders and their names and where they lived. And a judge basically ordered um, the police to hand over that information. The police had originally said, no, this is private information. You don't need to know who individual people are. If you want to know demographic stuff, we have no problem providing that to you. But specific people, um, what kind of firearms they have, um, as far as we know, that's none of your business. And the judge um, overruled that. And so um, the newspaper was provided that information, which in my mind is really, really quite scary. Um, and because where does it end? Um, it's, it's really a big slippery slope, you know. We are told that information we provide to the government on these forms is private, it's secretive. You guys know that as an FFL. Um, it's supposed to be between you, your FFL, and the government and nobody else. And so um, what's even scarier about this is anybody can file a FOIA request. Um, a private citizen, me as a journalist, um, anybody can have this information and how do we know that they are going to use this information for good? Uh, there really is no good reason to need to know people's names, their addresses, and what specific firearms they have. None. 
Wow. And so the New York Times could actually publish these addresses. New York Daily News. But New, yeah. They could uh, publish that information if they wanted mm-hmm. to. Well, it's interesting because you could look at that and say, okay, the criminal could do that and say, okay, I know what houses not to go to if they're on the list. <laughs> or they could say there's firearms at those houses and now I could get access to those. Very dangerous. No, it so is dangerous. And it is such a breach of, of trust because, you know, and I think it's one of the strongest arguments for private party sales. Right, because when when Joe and Sam sell each other something, whether it's a gun or whatever it is, then there's no record of that. There's no FOIA request that can come back. Um, but when people go to uh, uh, an FFL like like AZ Firearms and they entrust their information to us, and the reason that we've agreed to basically trample on people's Second Amendment rights um, is the privilege of doing business, right? For a privilege license, we have to agree to follow these certain rules and put people through the background check. And then to have something like this, it just spits in our face. And um, I just, I, did they try to justify it? Did the New York Daily News try to justify it at all? Um, I don't believe so. If I remember correctly, it was just about them getting statistical information um, on gun owners and what people are owning in areas and, you know, trying to make the argument of this area is heavily populated with gun owners in the suburbs where the city is less likely to have them. They wanted it for statistical purposes. And again, why do you need people's addresses? I mean- Or names even. Or names, absolutely. Yeah. And and the police department had even came and said, okay, we'll, we'll even um, give you guys, we'll even give an inch and say, okay, in this area code, here's how many ARs there are, here's how many handguns there are. And the Daily News wasn't happy with that. And so um, it is, it is very, very scary. And, you know, thinking about what you just said, Cheryl, um, a really great example is um, I won a gun a few months ago. Gorgeous gun. Um, I tend to play, <laughs> play every gun raffle possible, especially when it supports local um, local things. So this one was for an anglers association. And so I figure, you know, do my due diligence. So I won this gun, gorgeous gun, way too big for me. Um, here in Idaho, we have private party transfers. And so I sold that gun to a friend who I know is not a criminal. He's actually an NRA certified instructor. He, he is former law enforcement. I know he's good. Um, so I sold him that gun if my information was published, I could be targeted for having this firearm, even though on paper to the government, I still own it, but it's right. no longer in my possession. So that's another aspect of things that people aren't thinking about. And like you said, it really does make the case of, of private party transfers um, being a really big deal. And, um, and it kind of plays into also hunting and self-defense purposes as well. Um, how many times do people, especially in, or women in domestic violence situations, um, have, you know, have an issue and a law-abiding gun owner that's a friend of theirs say, here, let me let you use this gun for self-defense while we get you set up with everything you need, your own gun, your own training. 
how are these people going to be impacted? You know? So I actually think that, you know, criminals will look at this and say, these are houses to target because if people have firearms, they're, that's money. I mean, it's, Mm -hmm. it's not cheap to be a gun owner by any means. That's a place they can target when people aren't home. They can case them out for ammo, for firearms, if they're unlocked, um, case to house for, for more valuable things as well. So it really puts a target on people's back, whether they realize it or not. They could have done that without giving addresses and names. There's no doubt about it. They could have said in this region, there are this many gun owners. Mm-hmm. So what's next? Is the new is the New York Daily News going to go to a school district and say, I need to know the names and the and the address of every kid that's in your class in your classroom mm. and publish that too? I mean, yeah, I mean, what's the difference? Where does it end? Right. And and where where do they take this information? I mean, are we going to see things like okay, this population is heavily armed, and who knows? I mean, are we going to have these crazy um, lefty publications make the case that white supremacists live in this area? Because you know, take Idaho for example, we're heavily white and heavily country and heavily armed. So are people going to make the assumption that white people plus guns means this area is white supremacist? White supremacist? I mean, I just think Who there's a, a really big slippery slope yes. for so many different things. Absolutely. And I mean, like the NSSF, the National Shooting Sports Foundation, they do all of that work already. Like they compile information without people's addresses and, mm-hmm. home, you know, and names. And then they, they tell us, okay, so how many, what's the hottest selling gun and what regions and is it male? Is it female? So uh, there is, there's nothing about what the New York daily news does did in this request that I feel is trustworthy at all. Uh, No. And I think the argument that especially um, lefty anti-gun publications make is, well, how can we trust information that comes from the NSSF Mm. when they represent firearm manufacturers Mm. and gun owners, you know, they're going to pad the stats. Well, they really don't. They literally pull the FBI data and just break it down into a little bit better terms that people can understand and have quick facts. So they pull that data without getting names. And I mean, this is data that the New York, uh, the the daily time daily news can get too. Yeah. They could go and get that same information without jeopardizing. It's a very provocative move at the minimum. Um, And I I don't know. I, I, I I think we all agree. It can't go anywhere. Good. Good. No, it can't. And clearly they felt very strongly about getting this information if they went to court in order to get it. They didn't just let it go. They challenged what the police said multiple times. And when they didn't get the results they liked, they went to court and a judge ordered that information to be handed over. So um, in my mind, there's a bit of malice there um, and intention. Doxing is the big thing these days. No kidding. No Uh, kidding putting out people's private information. And then the people that are like, well, it is uh, public information and anybody could find out who owns what house or whatever. It's like, yeah, but why are you going to these specific uh, steps, these detailed steps to 
publish people's, you know, names and addresses and that sort of thing. There's something, yeah, there's something behind it and it feels and smells really bad. Um, So moving to the next question, we are in, I, I don't know if I've ever lived through a more rapid fire news cycle ever in my life of things happening. We are sitting in the studio on Monday, uh, August 31st, 2020. We're still in the middle of COVID. We are way past our two weeks to stop the, the spread, uh, whatever, lower the curve thing. We're, we're, we're on like a year to stop the spread. <laughs> exactly. It's what it feels like. Um, we've got civil unrest. We've got political unrest. We've got murder hornets. Yeah, let's talk about them. Murder <laughs> now, hornets was, was just one day, right? I, I don't even know. I don't even know. No, actually, so since I'm on the border of Idaho and Washington, they actually found a second murder hornet. No! <laughs> yeah, they just, um, it's only been dominated by local news stations because there are so many more important <laughs> things happening on the national level, but... It's um, so much crazy. We've had dual storms heading for one of the coasts. We've had... Uh, fire natos in California. Well, we like, were going to have one of the worst storms we've ever had here in Arizona last in Phoenix last night. Yeah, but and it happen. turned out to but be anyway. like a, a, got my truck dirty. <laughs> but it's monsoon season there, so it's kind of like yeah, we're not having expected. a monsoon season it's this year. It's expected. It's no, we're not. We haven't had one this year. It's really weird. We're it is. We're getting we need monsoon. Much. But anyway, so and now the 2020 presidential presidential election news. So. How do you prioritize the stories that you write when it just feels like this is fire hose coming at you all the time? You know, there's, it's hard. I mean, at any given time, I have about 12 tabs open on my computer and it really is a triage situation. And especially hour to hour, I mean, I can, you know, save a story from last night and say, okay, I'm going to write this today. And then something major happens, like Biden comes out of his basement and that's more important, you know? So <laughs> it's it, a Biden it, sighting. <laughs> I know. It's, and he actually said it, a word? He actually, well, he didn't say a word. He put out a statement condemning violence and asked Trump to do the same, which I find ironic because how many, for how many months has Trump said law and order, like, Let's call yeah. the National Guard, just ask. And I feel bad for, for Trump. I mean, regardless of how you feel about him, he's kind of in a damned if you do, damned if you don't situation. He, he, sends, he sends in the National Guard, people are mad. He doesn't send them in, he's accused of not caring. He says, okay, we won't send them in until you ask for permission and people are still mad. I mean, what else can the guy do? I mean, it's, exactly. it's crazy. Well, uh, Biden's been in the basement. He probably doesn't have any kind of news or anything. So he didn't know that Trump has been doing that. <laughs> That's probably. true. That's true. And he clearly doesn't know how to use technology um, as evidenced by some of his Skype meetings and stuff with Kamala. Um, and, you know, people tweet out stuff for him and mm-hmm. and their coherent thoughts. So, mm-hmm. But it is interesting. Tw- you have 12 different things going on right now. Well, always. Well, she always. Just says I mean, always, terms. always, you know, between, like as Cheryl said, we have Corona going on. We have Kenosha in Portland. Um, House is still in, well, no, what is it? It's August. House isn't in session, but they were called back. We have, um, I just saw something come up on my phone about Flynn 
and his case. Um, so we have all of these different things going on and it's like fires all over the place. And then there are tiny stories that really should be bigger stories that get buried by things that keep moving because the news cycle is so fast. Right. So Thanks. at any given time, yeah, I do have, it's probably why my computer freezes a lot, actually. <laughs> it's on overload. It's like, I need to defrag if it's that's weird. even still it's, a thing. It'd I don't be know. super hard for me to go from one thing to another, to another, to another. It's like, you know, it'd be hard to keep that moment. That, you're doing good. Great. Good for so, you. So many areas, as you just mentioned, uh, some of them are still facing restrictions on their freedom due to COVID. And there are riots across the country, like in Kenosha, Wisconsin right now, Portland, uh, other places. How do you think that the average voter, the people that read the stuff that you write, sees the role of the president and the current administration in those things? Do you think most people see that office as being part of the solution or as part of the problem? And see, there's two things I guess I'm asking you. Mm-hmm. Because there's there's the Donald Trump, right? Mm-hmm. That, that whole thing. Okay, he is the president now. But then there's the office of president. Like how much should the office of president really be responsible for the nitty gritty stuff that goes on in our lives? So yeah, that is kind of a twofer. And I really think that point of view depends on where you live. So, I mean, obviously more in the middle of the country, in in flyover, in red areas, people just want to be left the hell alone. They want to do their own thing. They want to work. They want to have their business. They want to take care of their family. And they don't want to be told what to do or how to do it. That's Mm -hmm. just that rugged individualism that our country was founded on. Um, I think what's interesting, um, I actually did an interview with Scott Walker last week and he pinpointed it perfectly that um, Trump's executive order a few weeks ago about, um, what was it, like unemployment and stuff, you know, a lot of people called into question the legality of it. Um, But for a lot of people, I think in, especially in swing states like Wisconsin, they see it as Republicans and Democrats in Washington can't get anything done. They, they're just bickering and bickering and they think their side is right and there's no middle ground. And Trump finally had enough and came in and say, okay, you guys can't get it done. I'm going to do it for you. Um, And so I think in a lot of ways, he is standing up for the little guy and is saying, you know, Americans are tired of this. They're worried about if they're going to be able to provide for their family, if they're going to be able to to make rent. Um, Businesses are worried if they're going to be able to stay open, if they're going to be able to pay their employees. Like there are so much more important things going on than this. Well, the left has to be right or the right has to be right. Um, This lack of compromise. And so I think for a lot of Americans, they're just tired of it. And he represents that. Um, you know, the office of the president really shouldn't be involved in this stuff at all. This is the responsibility of governors and mayors and city council folks. Mm -hmm. And, um, and these congressmen and women and senators who are doing all this arguing in Washington, they should be pressuring their local representatives to get stuff done. I mean, how many more months does rioting need to take place in, in Portland before, these people wake up and say, oh my gosh, maybe we should do something because sitting by and letting them destroy our city isn't changing anything. Hmm. Um, 
So really, in my mind, the president really should not be doing any of this. But he's sitting there saying, you guys obviously can't handle it. Like, we'll send resources if need be. Um, so, and the longer this stuff goes on, the more of a winning issue it really is for Republicans come November. Because they can sit here and point to all of these liberal cities, because it's all run by Democrats that have this lack of law and order, this lawlessness. And, and it's really, really sad to see because, I mean, how many of these people who are doing this don't even live in that area? They were bussed in or brought in from other places to help cause this destruction. And what about these people that are Trump supporters or people that believe in the, you know, working and, and doing good that are trapped in these cities? Mm. You know, like Portland and stuff in California, things like that. That, so. that whole Chop Chaz Center, all I could think about is, you know, we're small business owners. We own, you know, an auction house and a gun store. And I kept thinking, what if something like that were to surround us with either one of those businesses? Uh, where, what would we possibly do, mm -hmm. right? Well, it seems to me that the, you know, it should be the, the city government first, then the state government. And if they can't fix it, then the federal government would come in and help. That's the way it's supposed to be. That's the way it's supposed to be. Absolutely. And they're just, they're just not doing anything. So what, you know, as a president, you say, they're not doing anything. I've got people that are supporting my beliefs in that city. Mm -hmm. I need to go fix this, but he can't do it right. No matter what it's, right. it's wrong. No matter what, if he doesn't do anything, it's wrong. If he does do anything, exactly. it's wrong. Exactly. Exactly. What Beth said. So, so um, when you said that it should, it should, right, if we were all reasonable minded people, we'd be able to see that, okay, well, these blue cities, blue states with democratic leaders, things are a certain way, right? Mm -hmm. And then here's these red states and red leaders that things are a different certain way. And that that we've been listening and watching and, and hearing how Trump has been handling this and, and trying to help out in these areas where there's so much unrest in the blue states. But I'm already seeing, there's a, a 15 second ad I saw out there with a, an empty football stadium. It's a, it's a Biden ad. And they're trying to blame Trump for an empty football stadium when Trump's the one that's been trying and trying and trying to get things back open again. Mm -hmm. And then I saw a thing where uh, Schiff, apparently, uh, what's his name? Schiff, Adam Schiff. Schiff. He's trying to say that Russia is financing Black Lives Black Matter, Lives Matter. <laughs> in order to help Trump get elected. I have now, to say, okay, Adam Schiff has said a lot of crazy things over the last few years. But when I watched that yesterday, I had to go, is this guy legitimately serious or is he high? Because he said that he actually said that he actually he said that voice. He actually said that I wrote an article on it. I can send you the link. But when he said that, I was like I that. I mean, like, he has on. like, you have to give him credit for being that creative and that out of the box with it. But yeah, um, in his mind, Russians are infiltrating Black Lives Matter to cause unrest to help Trump win the election because it's a winning issue for Republicans, for, you know, and really I mean, Trump, has, Trump has kind of played this masterfully. He said, I'm sitting back. 
you want help, ask me for it. Yes. But until then, I'm sitting here because you guys are going to piss on me either way. Yes. I might as well sit back here and just watch my poll numbers go up. I mean, yes. Yeah, yeah. for sure. Well, so. I do have news for you. You know that football stadium that was empty? Yeah. That was where Biden was speaking and thought, well, I'll take advantage <laughs> of it. No one yeah. came, so we'll just blame it on as, something else. But I'm bump. Are that you here is, all week? We'll tip our white staff. I, I have to see that shift thing. That's, that's just yeah, incredible. We'll, we'll look up so best, Black Lives so. Matter is doing it to help. I so. mean, theoretically, okay, if that was the case, wouldn't that mean that you would see, like, well, there are a bunch of white people, but wouldn't you see, you know, non-English speaking Russians in these fights and stuff or are they or is he he trying to say that antifa are russians i mean so we have logic and we have the year 2020 and neither the twain shall meet so (laughs) i just that's kind of where we're at you got to think about what he thinks about people that they would even believe a story like that usually when you say something that isn't the truth but you want to get it out there you try to make it sound like it could be real right but this is baloney who can't right. believe well, that? This is also the guy who told us for three years that Russian collusion happened, and he's still running with that, even yeah. after his own guy said no collusion took place. Yeah. So. Well, I blame the people that are actually uh, sending him money because these are fundraising uh, platforms uh, that these particular elected officials use. So I, I blame the people that are listening, believing, and funding him. But Next question I want to get to is we talked earlier about the NSSF, the National Shooting Sports Foundation, and they do, you know, compile uh, huge amounts of data to, to let us know, like, where are we in the, with gun sales and, and demographics and areas of the country. So they've just published a report about the surging gun ownership across the United States. And I think my numbers are even outdated, but it was somewhere in the area of like 5 million plus brand new um gun owners every, across every year's a new record or every month's a new record and it seems that the the rioting is a big part of encouraging more people to understand that they need to be their own immediate responder and become pro-gun at least pro-gun enough to go and purchase one how do you think that's going to impact the 2020 election when the biden uh harris ticket the Democrats are the party of the hell yes, we are going to reach into your home and remove something that you lawfully own just because it's a gun. I don't care. That's, this is their platform. It's got to be part of, of how people react, don't you think? I think so. I think that coupled with um, some of the speakers we saw um, with, at the RNC convention, um, in particular Vernon Jones from, um, I believe he was from Georgia, um, a longtime, lifelong Democrat who said, basically, um, the Democrats have have kicked out blue dog Democrats. This, like, you know, we're just, like, we care about, blue dog Democrats are gone. And I think the rioting kind of plays into that. And I think um, people who probably weren't very politically active are going to vote this time around. I think people who probably considered themselves Democrats or progressives are going to think twice about it, especially when it comes to law and order. I mean, how many younger people, even in red states, are hunters and whatnot, 
and they're saying, oh my gosh, the things that I enjoy doing recreationally or even um, hunting to provide for my family is at threat because of, because of Biden and Harris and really not even so much them, but the people behind their campaigns who are pushing this progressive agenda are, are going to do this. And so I think it's going to play a really big role um, in 2016, I truly believe that it was gun owners that pushed Trump over the edge. Um, I mean, be- between Hillary's issues aside, I mean, the fact that she, you know, I mean, her and Obama were great for gun sales, as I'm sure you know. Um, but I think, I think we're going to see that again. But I really think the winning demographic is going to be um, young millennial women. Hmm. Um, people, women my age, um, who are in their late twenties, early thirties, they're, you know, first time parents or just getting married. They are fearful of going out by themselves because they don't know what they're going to encounter. They don't know if their small sleepy town that nobody ever heard of is suddenly going to become national news the way Kenosha did. Hmm. Um, so I really, really am curious to see how things shake out, but I really think it's going to be millennial women um, and maybe not even people who would be considered strong voters who are going to decide this election. Um, it, it's going to be, I think, women my age, a lot of those first-time gun owners. Hmm. Yeah, if, didn't the Democrats kind of say like, okay, so we're going to take your guns away, but we can protect you so you don't need them. And now people can see, oh, they, they can't protect me. Yeah, and they're, the only force out there would and be the police, and let's get rid of those. Yeah. You know? and, <laughs> so, right, and, right. And again, this is where it's a brilliant Trump strategy because he's just sitting back and saying, let it unfold. This, yeah. I don't need to do anything because you guys are doing everything for me. And that's why Democrats are worried because yes. they can't get this situation under control and it'll bite them in the butt if they have to go to Trump and ask for help and suddenly everything dissolves. Just like how Cuomo had to ask for ventilators and for help for New York. Trump, Trump did it. He praised him. And now what's, what's happening? There are ads playing back that information and he -hmm. lost credibility. So this is definitely a 2020 strategy move on their part. I think if this was 2021 and we weren't in an election year, we would see Democrats jump and ask for help a lot sooner, but they don't want to give Trump that victory. Right. And is that awful? And their citizens have to suffer in the meantime. Yeah, it's just it is. a prideful political move. It's just awful. Um, well, we need to start wrapping up, but I want to ask you, what do you think your most important or impactful story that ever, not just counting 2020, ever? that you've ever written? Um, actually this was, it's one that's framed in my office. Um, so before I wrote for town hall or even bearing arms or the blaze, um, my background is in, um, PR and, um, public affairs and, and my aunt's friend got in contact with me because she knew I did some writing on the side and told me about Fort McClellan, Alabama. It was actually a, was it army? I believe it was army, an army base that um, 
every single person who went through the army had to go through for basic training over a 65 year period and come to find out there was toxic exposure there. Oh. And um, so, I mean, even three, four generations down the line, we're still seeing um, impacts of people who are having infertility, fibromyalgia, all kinds of cancers because it lived in the water, in the soil. Um, they did military uh, police training there. They did testing. Um, they actually, the EPA actually closed the base down because of how toxic it was. Um, and I had actually worked with represent, Representative Tonko out of New York. He's a Democrat. Um, and every single Congress, he would introduce legislation that would create a registry that would um, alert every single person or civilian who had been on that base about the exposure. And that has to pass in order for those people to receive VA benefits. Um, otherwise, they're just kind of SOL. Um, so I worked with a friend of mine who at the time was at the Washington Times. She's now at Breitbart, um, or she was at Breitbart. Now she's back at the Times. Um, and so we did a really, really big story on that. Um, and come to find out, I had actually obtained an email from an Obama, yeah, because it was during the Obama administration, from an Obama appointee who said they didn't want this legislation to pass because if it passed, alerting all of the millions of people who went through that base would completely drain the DOD budget. Um, so that, that has been, and still to this day, I still try um, to keep tabs on what's happening with that. Um, it was actually something I had talked about with Corey Lewandowski in 2016. Um, and so that's kind of been a uh, kind of a close to my heart story. Um, and I'm in quite a few Facebook groups where I see these poor veterans and even their offspring, some of them who weren't even there, but they were conceived there, um, who are facing all these issues. And it really is really sad. Um, so that I think is definitely, definitely the most impactful one. We got a full page front above the fold spread um, in the front of the Washington Times. And so I had friends who sent me the article and my husband framed it for me for my office. And so I look at it every so often as a reminder of, you know, I went into this um, to try to help people make a difference. And if I can at some point help get these, this awareness and help people um, get the benefits that they so rightfully deserve, especially when they, they provide us a, a blank check with their lives, then, mm. then, I, then I made some sort of small impact. And that was why I always went into politics. Wow. That is awesome. And so the government says, well, uh, the Biden, um, when um, Biden, not a Biden, Obama, <laughs> when he was the president that, that if financially we can't afford to do anything, then we'll just let it go under the table, right? Yeah. And if, and if Congress, if Congress doesn't pass this bill, then nothing happens and they don't get the help they need. They don't get VA assistance because it's not deemed a service related injury. And that designation has to be made in order to claim those benefits, mm -hmm. which is complete crap. Mm -hmm. So, 
Yeah. No, it's so true. And that is such an important story. And, and, and still it's ongoing because the bill has not been passed, correct? Yeah. Um, every single, so I started talking with Tonko in 2014. So what, six years ago. So three Congresses have gone through since that. And I mean, I can check, but yeah, I, every new session I'll email his comms director and every single time they have a bill ready to go as soon as as soon as the new congress starts and every time it gets pigeonholed in committee well, so beth did you say you that, <clears throat> that you have a letter saying that the it would drain the department yeah so i had i need to go back because i was writing for politics at the time i don't know if the when it um they changed servers if the image transferred but yeah it was in an email that was obtained through FOIA of an Obama appointee, I believe it was at DOD, who said, you know, if this bill passes, like, basically, there would be no military budget, because the military budget would be completely eaten up by um, tracking down and alerting well, some, people. Somehow, they find the money for the things that they think are important, so probably they could figure and this you know, out. And you know, if this story came to light, how many Americans would say, you know what, I'll pay an extra $100 on my taxes every year if it mm. means telling all of these people mm. that, they, that they're sick. Well, and it's funny that the government can come and sue an individual that doesn't have the money to pay it. Yeah. But they can sue them. Right. Well, and the other way they get about this, too, is there was a Monsanto plant um, right near the base. And so they got Monsanto to take responsibility for it or whatever. So that basically absolves the government of any wrongdoing. But in the meantime, they don't have the money to fund to help the people that need the help. No, it's, it's baloney. And they took yeah. that money from Monsanto and put it in their uh, mm -hmm. pocket to, so they could fund rioting in Portland. <laughs> we don't whatever. know what they're funding what, with it. Yeah. But... No, this is important work, and thank you so yes. much for bringing that to light, and we should check back in on that every once in a while and see. I mean, the, the survivors of 9-11, look how, how hard they had to fight and, and bring their case again and again and again until people would see that it wasn't just individual isolated incidents of illness and cancers and whatnot, um, and then I, I think I, I, I have this right, but if you're a firefighter and you end up and, and more and more firefighters are in dealing with more and more health issues and cancers, because I think with their house fires, everything is a carcinogen that's going up in flames. Like everything's made of plastic and whatnot. So um, the dangers are, are more, I think I had heard at some point that unless you know which house fire it was that you were helping with, that you got cancer from that that your your SOL or they make it impossible yeah and and, and that's I mean and that's just like anything else that's like every kind of insurance it's like oh you have to prove that you got sick while we were under your coverage and it's like well I mean I've had this for who knows how long I mean it's been building up you know it's it's like so many other things. Nobody wants to have to pay for it. So what it right. comes down to is money. 
Yeah, it always does. It always does. All right. Well, we need to wrap up and give you your day back because uh, you could have been writing 10 articles while we've been sitting here <laughs> talking to you. Um, Beth, please tell folks how they can follow all the work that you are doing in, in rapid fire real time. <laughs> So townhall.com under the tip sheet section on Twitter at EB454, on Facebook and Parlor at Beth Bauman, B-A-U-M-A-N-N. Fantastic. Thank you so much for all of that course, you do, anytime. Beth. Thank you, I appreciate Beth. it. We'll definitely have you back on again yeah. soon. Sounds Thank good. You. you guys have a good day. You Bye -bye. too. Bye-bye. All right. Beth Bauman of Town Hall. Well, I don't know if I should be more upset about the, the, the newspaper getting the uh, mm. information and that, who is this judge that just basically gave our protections away just because he thought it was the right thing to do? Well, and, and I don't know enough about that because maybe he was just interpreting the law. Maybe he was doing the right thing and that they were, the newspaper was the one that was inappropriate for, for bringing the question to the judge. I don't, I don't know enough about that. But and I, It seems to me that in the past, we've heard stories where uh, newspapers have got a hold of information that was private information and published that information. So... It's, that's a very dangerous slope. Our, our, anything that we give to the, the government requires us to have, the government tells us that we need to do, should be protected information mm -hmm. under all circumstances. No doubt about it. If your name and the, you know, if you want to give the statistics out, that's one thing. But when you give names and addresses or political affiliation or anything like that, it's wrong. Well, and... I mean, truly, it seems to me that people that are against um, registries, right? People that are against even having to go through the, the federal background check that is very fallible system, the 4473 background system. Um, it, it seems to me that this would give them so much of a platform to, look, to show and say, look, this is exactly why our founding fathers had the words on the second amendment shall, shall not, not be infringed period any any hurdle any paperwork any legality any waiting period is an infringement right. and they saw that they were wise enough to see what could happen and what now has happened you know i it and just... tried to head that off and people with probably good intentions you know, common sensey, you know, feel good gun right. laws were like, well, you know, it, why should you care if the government knows that you have a gun if you're not going to do anything bad with it? Right. Well, well, I don't know why we should care, but there's no reason for the government to know. So how about that? Right. Well, I agree. Uh, let's just end it at that. It's starting <laughs> to really make me <laughs> angry now. Riled up. Right. So go ahead. Me go ahead. I will go ahead. I will thank our awesome listeners. So will I. Thank you, listeners. Whether you are watching us on YouTube or GunStreamer on, or on the smartphone app called OpsLens, or whether you are listening to us audio only via our website, uh, we value your time. Thank you so much for tuning in and then bringing these conversations, uh, these topics that we've discussed around your dinner table and and in your chat rooms online and 
to find our, our audio only, you can go to our website, gunfreedomradio.com. Click the on demand tab and binge listens to your heart's content. Oh, you almost looked exactly like me when you did that. And if you want to see uh, photos and bios and, and information on all of our guests, click the guest tab. It's a wonderful resource. All of them? We're getting there. All the guests? All the guests, yes. Um, hundreds of them. Yeah, for sure, hundreds of them. Uh, anyway, when you spend time there getting to know all of the uh, experts in their area, our subject matter experts, we don't hate that, uh, that you're spending time doing that. So please do. Uh, and until next time, pray for our nation. Yes, pray for our nation. Pray for our... Pray, pray for our... Fill in the blank, Dan. Fill in the blank, Who are we going to pray for? Our leaders. Thank you. You did that well. Most of all our leaders, yes. Pray for them. <laughs> all of them, Dan. What? I'm going to throw you off. Okay. Even, oh, wow. Even the ones you don't like? Oh, especially the ones especially you don't like. Especially the ones you don't like. Oh, my goodness. Maybe I'm making some headway here. Probably Can not. I cross my fingers now? Yeah. All right. Have a great week. Be good to each other. And God bless. Bye-bye.